What's Brewing at the Culinary Academy at Blue Ridge Community and Technical College. This is a podcast, and we are just two chefs chewing the fat about all things food-related uh, with insightful and casual conversation in a lighthearted manner. We will invite guests every so often to join us at our table, such as chefs, industry professionals, students, and anyone who is a food enthusiast. So kick back and wrap your paws around your favorite beverage as you are our guests for the next 30 minutes, and we hope you savor the experience. Welcome back to episode three of our podcast. Gosh, we're on a roll. Yep, we sure are. <laughs> crushing it. Uh, I am Chef Steve Weiss, Associate Dean of Hospitality and Culinary Arts at Blue Ridge Community and Technical College, and my co-host, Chef Miriam Conroy, Culinary Chair and Instructor at the Academy. Welcome back, Chef Miriam. What did you do over your weekend? Well, I find something really special, and I know you're all going to want to go to the website and check the show notes. I found at Food Max in Winchester a silky black chicken. Wow. And honestly looks like something out of Jurassic Park. (laughs) Um, My husband took one look at it and he said, I'm not eating that. And he's normally quite adventurous. But the really interesting thing about this is that um, in China, Mm. medicine and food are so related. And so it's a a pigmentation mutation Mm -hmm. for these birds. Um, The feathers cannot wick away water. So they have to stay out of the rain. They cannot get wet. And their skin, their beaks, their feet, everything is black. Mm. So anyway, you pluck the chicken, you either roast it or you pop it in the pot. And then they take the bones and they dry them and they make medicine out of it. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's supposed to help with blood pressure and hypertension. Well, (laughs) that's amazing. Amazing. Well, also, too, if you were drinking while you while you were eating it, it probably reduces your... Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be a challenge, though, to find something to put on the plate with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's so right. dark. So I'm really going to have to go into the memory banks and see... Well, what, what traditionally do they, do they add to it, though? Is it like people actually consume it as a meal? They do. And they, it's served traditionally with black rice. Oh, really? But then you got black on black. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So I don't know. I'll need to figure something out. That's an interesting. Maybe a blackberry sauce would work really well with that. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Interesting to see. Taste, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Right? Never seen never seen a chicken like that before, but there is going to be a photo. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it's very interesting. And I actually saw the photo. I thought it was amazingly weird, <laughs> but it was really good. So um, I had, uh, you know, in this time or season, I had the opportunity to go to an Oktoberfest, actually. And um, local um, employer here in the area, uh, Bavarian Inn, Mm -hmm. has the opportunity, or now I think after two years off, (laughs) they're finally back with an Oktoberfest. And I had it, and it was, um, there was a lot of dancing, a lot of singing, and a lot of beer. And um, I actually did do it, I did a dance. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I wish I wish I had video. Um, I wish I had the video. But um, uh, I know somebody that does, though. I'll, I'll show it to you eventually. Uh, maybe we can post it. Yeah, that would maybe be fun. Maybe we can post it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, um, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm, I'm half German anyway. So for me to, 
to go there and, and be a part of it is, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, the food was great. Uh, I mean, it was pretty crowded. Uh, and it generally is. Yeah. And yeah. you worked at the, at, at the Bavarian. I did. So you, you've been through that. I've been through it from the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and there's a lot of people there, a lot of back of the house, a lot of front of the house, a lot of customers. And for them, especially this year, um, with them starting their own brewery. Yeah. So that, yep. that was a really big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was a, it was a, an amazing time, but I encourage anybody who has an opportunity to go to an Oktoberfest to please, please do, even if you don't drink beer, uh, just go and, and yeah, be a part enjoy of it. It's, the music. it's just a lot of fun. And I mean, it's kind of like you're in Germany. I mean, and then when you're at the BI, it's like you are in Germany. Well, that's the experience, yeah, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So anyway, that's what I did. That's what I did. Uh, so our next segment that we're going to go into now is going to be called Into the Dish Pit, right? And we're going to be talking about food safety, uh, which is what we usually do. And the topic that um, I kind of thought about was uh, the three different types of contaminants that we can run into mm-hmm. uh, when, we're in, when we're in the industry. And uh, one of them is physical, right? right. What is, so what constitutes a physical contamination, in the industry. Okay, so for instance, if you had a glass bowl mm. and it fell and right. it smashed, then and you had glass possibly go into the food, mm-hmm. right? That's a physical right. contaminant. Right, right. So the another thing too is, and glass is is very important because obviously if somebody consumes glass, yes. it could rip you mm-hmm. up, and that's not not good. Not good. And not good. Uh, but the 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 one thing that's probably very common is probably metal filings mm-hmm. and that a lot of that comes from from knives oh, knives and Just can like openers we about the other well day. knives and can openers too <laughs> yes exactly you know so uh you don't really look at your can openers and and many people don't clean their can openers nope. so cleaning your can openers much like cleaning your knife is essential and your steel absolutely it's essential yep yeah. Those, these are all essential and these are physical contaminants pieces of wood plastic mm-hmm. yeah, these are all physical contaminants that we are exposed to right so any kind of cutting board that you have should be wood or plastic. Um, you definitely do not want a like a, py- a Pyrex or a glass cutting board. Right. You would never want to use a knife on something like that. Right. So, so our next um, our next contaminant is chemical, and a chemical contaminant can be really severe because it can make you sick immediately. Well, it can. And of course, industry standards, you cannot have food and chemicals in the same area. Right. They have to be separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes sense to do that in the home as well. Yes. Right. Yeah. So in the, at the academy, we have, we have our chemical uh, station far, far away from from our food products um in fact it's on it's the exit to the to the to our our little uh, our classroom so uh you know you you want to definitely try to keep it away or at least keep it in a secure area underneath your sink um i mean you wouldn't want to store it with any dry goods or anything like that certainly not yeah and if you've got little ones get those child safety locks on the doors absolutely absolutely um and the last contaminant that can happen is biological and biological is not only uh, f- uh, temperature related or or cross contamination related, but it could also be insect, oh very and much mice so. related and rodent related, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So I mean that that is these are things that you have to look out for. Um, and when a health department or a health inspector comes into your facility, they're going to look at all of these things. 
you know, and, and make you aware of, of even if there isn't a violation at some point, they'll make you aware of things that could go wrong that you should fix. Right. So, yeah. Very, very important. Yeah. But definitely something to think about. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Our next, um, next uh, segment is called tool of the week. And we have a kitchen tool that is a, uh, well, something that I think we use a couple of times throughout the week. I would say, I don't know if we use it all the time, but a peeler, the, the lonely peeler that, that doesn't really get a lot of accolades and, and fanfare, uh, but there's just so many peelers out there. Yep. All different styles, um, different shapes. Uh, they now have peelers for left-handed people. That's fabulous. <laughs> Which is me. Yes, me too. Yeah. Um, I got one with a weighted end. It's one of the sexiest things in my kitchen drawer. It is fabulous. Right. I love using that peeler. Yeah. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, not taking that away from you. I think that's, that's, am- I, I don't like the weighted ones. I know. I just don't. Oh, I love it's too heavy. <laughs> I just think it's too heavy. It's like, it's like almost having a piece, like a hammer in your hand. I know, but you have to use the right peelers, like using yeah. the right knife for the job, right? Yeah. Some things you want the Y peeler. Mm-hmm. And some things you want the weighted peeler, sometimes right. you So don't. what's the best thing for a Y peeler? Because I, I honestly, I have a hard time trying to figure it out. That's a good question. Okay, so for a Y peeler, if you're going to peel like a papaya. You're okay. Yeah, you definitely want something like a Y peeler. So, or or uh, butternut squash. Okay. Y peeler is So anything that's long? That. No. If you've got a long, then your double-edged weighted peeler is better for okay. that. So if you're going to do carrots or something like that. Right. Um, but you could use your finger peeler mm-hmm. and your Y peeler on potatoes or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, on the podcast website, we posted, we're going to post some pictures and, uh, there's m- many different types of peelers. I'm going to tell you what my favorite peeler is. It's the palm peeler. It's the one that fits in the center of your palm. And I can just like rub right over top of whatever I'm doing and just like whether it's round or whatever. And it just, it, for me, it works better. I know it doesn't work for a lot of folks, but I like mm-hmm. it and it works best for me. So it works best for me. So I, that's what I use. Now there's also uh, an elite peeler and Chef Mary might have that at her, in her place because, you know, and, and so I, I, Gadget th- queen. right. <laughs> so this is a peeler that actually you put the, the fruit or vegetable on it and then you turn this crank and it peels it for you, mm-hmm. which is great if you're going to do a lot. Right. I don't have an elite peeler. Right. I have an apple peeler. An apple peeler. <laughs> Same yes. thing. Right. So apple peeler, and I guess you could do pears too. or sure. Yeah. So it'll conform to the fruit or vegetable that you put in it, and it'll peel it for you. Well, it won't peel it for you unless you can get a, you know, like a machine or something, right? Yeah, but why would you? Yeah, well, I don't know. Peeling's one of those things that you can do in the kitchen, and it's soothing, right? Yeah. It's like making pasta, you know. They can automate it. They will, though. Yeah, if I could automate it, I, yeah, I wouldn't. I, no, that's you know. amazing. Someone has, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, no, you know, peeling's easy. I, I, I hate peeling. I, there's two things I hate peeling. I hate peeling carrots and I hate peeling potatoes. The two most basic things in the <laughs> yeah. kitchen. That's why you're a baker. That's, yeah, that's why I, yeah, that's why I do that. So there you go. Now you know why. Is there any correlation between left-handed and being a chef? Since yes, of course. Left-handed chefs are brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> the bakers are not bad either. Yeah, right. We are creative. We, the left-handed people are more creative. But, there but uh, there are chefs that always said this. 
and I think it always was a baker that said this, pastry chef always said this. He said, you can teach a, a baker to cook, but you can't teach a cook to bake. That's what they say. Although we do that here. Yes, we do. I, I don't agree with that at all. But here's the difference between baking and cooking, right? Baking is chemistry. So everything is set. You have to do follow every step. Every ingredient has to be measured. Cooking. Now, cooking is alchemy. So I'm taking that lead and I'm turning it into gold. And yeah, there's a recipe. But a recipe is not a blueprint like it is in, in uh, baking. Yeah. That's it's just a suggestion, yeah. right? It's a way to go, yeah. right? So you get to have so much more freedom in cooking. It's, it's, like, it's like the difference between science and fantasy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's because you can, you can create as you go. You yeah. know, you don't know what the story is going to end like. Well, you do. But th- then you the do exciting part about yeah. baking yeah. and if you're going to do cake decorating or whatever, that's when the really creative side of it comes into right, it. Right. Right. I mean, you do amazing things with cakes and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very artistic way. And it's not taking away from the hot foods and the, and the cold cold kitchen and too because there's some very artistic ways to you know to do vegetables to i mean i've i've seen i've been blown blown away by by some of the chefs that do cold kitchen prep and i mean they could you know take an apple or a a cucumber and whittle it into a bird Mm -hmm. i mean it's and it looks realistic so i mean it's there's a lot of talent yep a lot of talent in there a lot lot of ways to go yep okay so our next segment uh, that we're going to talk about is recipe of the week. And this one is a recipe that I absolutely love this recipe uh, because it's a flourless cake recipe. And um, uh, for those folks that are, are gluten intolerant, uh, we have an opportunity to have a really dark, dense chocolate cake. And this is a flourless uh, chocolate truffle cake. Uh, so if you're, if you're familiar with the internal uh, consistency and texture of a truffle, this is a cake that you could bake, and I have to say that it is very intense, and a little bit goes a long way. Sounds uh, wonderful, though. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, and and there's a number of ways that you can finish this cake off. Uh, recipe is on our podcast website, and um, it is uh, very um, very easy to do. And we have chocolate, we have butter, there's eggs, there's sugar. Uh, cornstarch is in there just to give it some stability once it's baked. Um, and then there's also an opportunity for you to put some of your favorite chopped nuts in it. Uh, I like to put almonds if you like to put hazelnuts. Um, I mean, there's a number of opportunities that you could use. Uh, I would suggest toasting the nuts ahead of time. Um, and that's best. And, uh, probably one of the best things that's in this recipe is uh, a quarter cup of Grand Marnier. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, now, that could change if you want to put rum, if you want to put a chambord. If Amaretto. You, Amaretto would be perfect. Yeah, that would be good. Amaretto would be perfect. And um, uh, the recipe is very, very easy to put together and uh, doesn't take that long and it gets baked in the oven. It's it's an amazing recipe. You can finish it off with a Chantilly cream, which is also in the, in the recipe as well. Uh, can cover the whole cake with a Chantilly cream, which is basically a fancy way of saying whipped cream with vanilla and sweetened whipped cream with vanilla and uh and it's just it's just a a really good tasting dessert Uh, and again little goes a long way this will probably last you a while because small pieces 
are going to be your friend in this one because you, well, yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to finish it. It depends on how much of a chocolate fiend you are. <laughs> a large slice of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can make these in the little individual containers. You can make them in large uh, nine inch or eight inch containers or pans and stuff. Okay. So let me ask you this because this comes back to the chemistry in baking. Yep. If the, if you put it in a smaller container, mm. is the cooking time affected? Yeah, so the, the cooking time is going to be less because there's less to cook. So, yes. So, if, you re, if, the, if a recipe calls for a 10-inch pan and you put it in an 8-inch pan, mm-hmm. uh, you, number one, you probably won't be able to fill it up as much. So, the amount of, of batter that you put in is going to be less. Okay, but so if you take that batter and you put it into 12 smaller ramekins, mm-hmm. say, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I guess it it doesn't matter that it's a it's the whole recipe mm-hmm. that the cooking time will still be shortened because yep. it's in the ramekin. Yeah. So if uh, case in point today, I baked some cake, I baked a cake today, and I had a cake that was split up into two nine inch pans plus a small six inch one. Same batter, mm-hmm. but the six inch cake was done first. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah. It's just it it it's based on surface area as well. Okay. So then another question for a, a non baker. If I do break it up and I put it in smaller things and I open the oven, mm-hmm. how do I know it's done? When I'm mm-hmm. cooking, mm-hmm. the nose knows, right. right? I can smell when something's done. I know, right. I right? How do you do that with baking? So it depends. Uh, uh, for me, uh, I do a touch test. If uh, the cake springs back, that's a telltale sign that it, it could possibly be done. Uh, another one that's oh, it's all over the internet and a lot of people know about it is you take a toothpick, or a skewer, a wooden skewer, you put that into the center of the cake or the, the cake that's most at its highest point. You put okay. that in. If it comes out clean, it's you're pretty much guaranteed that it's done. Uh, but on the moist cakes, like a truffle tort, it's a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more difficult to, to do that. Um, you know, I think a good internal temperature is or roughly around 200 degrees because that's what we use when bread. So a lot of folks, when they bake bread, um, and you just don't know when bread's done. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it looks done, but maybe the in- internally it's not. So we take an internal temperature, uh, especially with bread, because bread can be kind of hard to figure out. So we put a probe inside, and if it reaches 200 degrees in the center of the bread, or in a loaf, you don't have to, like, probe every loaf. Right. But one loaf, it then you should be good. You should yeah. be good. 200 sounds degrees. sounds like good advice. Yeah, Thanks, 200 Steve. degrees. Yep. We're going to talk about our topic of the week. And our topic of the week is not so much a topic, but it's a person. And we have um, one of our students slash new faculty, Sarah Chapman, is here to join us. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, life in, uh, at the college and a transition in from student into faculty um, and eventually teaching as well. So, Sarah, welcome, and uh, first I'd like to know, who is your favorite instructor, and which is your favorite class? That's no pressure. Mean, Steve. No pressure. That's mean. No pressure. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I should answer that one or not. <laughs> I feel like that's a setup. <laughs> mm. All right, so, uh, well, you can, you, you can tell us after. You could tell us after, you know, just hold on to that. And then you could tell us later, but you can, you can already say chef Miriam. I know I wasn't, you, I, we really didn't have you in, in my classes that much, but I know chef Miriam is a popular chef in many classes. It was Sam. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It might be actually chef Sam might be the one. 
might be the one as well. You might have one of your online instructors might have been your favorite one. Matter of fact, you know what? It might have not have been any of us. It might have been somebody else, like your English instructor or math instructor. Could have been that too, right? Yeah, well, I had quite a few at Shepherd, so. Oh, there you go. See? Shepherd University. So, uh, Sarah, we'd like, to, we'd like you to tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, um, you know, uh, some of your educational background, and... Um, yeah, just start with that. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. So I grew up in Martinsburg, okay. born and raised. Still live in Martinsburg. Probably mm. not going anywhere. <laughs> um, I did live in Shepherdstown for a while. Okay. I have my bachelor's in business from Shepherd. Um, and then took a couple years off and finally decided about time I get my culinary degree. It was the plan all along. And then ended up here at Blue Ridge for a year and a half and finished up my culinary degree in August of this year. And now I'm an employee at Blue Ridge. <laughs> yeah. And how was, how was that? How do you think the transition uh, from student to faculty worked for you? Is, is it, was it a little difficult? Was it, was it an easy transition? Uh, was there, you know, from a student perspective, um, well, I guess more so, first off, from a student perspective, what was, was there any, was there any hurdles where there, did you feel like there were any hurdles that, how can we make the program better? Because this is, this is one of the things that we have to do in assessment. In assessment, we try to make things better and it's okay to, to maybe not hit the mark on certain things because if we know about it, we can make it better. And as a, as a school, as a college, um, we need that information to, so that we can get better. We can be better as instructors. We can get better tools for the students that are coming into the program. You know, um, is there anything that maybe pops out in your mind that we could, we could maybe possibly do better? I think it's just expectations, making that mm -hmm. completely clear to every single student that mm -hmm. the expectation is the same for everybody, that... This is because when you get out into the real world, the expectation is going to be the same for everybody. You're not going to get like special treatment. You're you're going to be expected to do your job and you have a goal at the end of the day that this is what you're supposed to do. And this right. is the expectation you're supposed to meet. Right. Right. No, I, I totally, totally agree. Um, it's it's you know, it, it, it's difficult for students, um, especially when they first start out. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you probably remember your first your first day coming into the program. And are you you know were you nervous? You I think? was terrified. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we all get to that. I think we all get to that point. And and we just want to tell everybody out there that you know the students especially that are learning or that are just coming into the program or thinking about coming into the program, this is absolutely normal. You know, especially when you're going into an environment that you're not sure of, you don't know where things are. Um, you're going into a kitchen that has a lot of noises. Um, you know, there's a lot of talking. Yeah. And again, yeah, I think, um, it's really important too for students because they look at television shows, yeah. cooking shows on TV yeah. and the real kitchen's very different from that. Mm -hmm. You know, they, when they come in initially and they're told, well, this is your textbook and it's two and a half inches big. <clears throat> And these are the expectations. You're going to have to learn a whole new language, right? That's all part of it. 
uh, sometimes it's, it can be a little overwhelming. And, you know, they just you just have to keep working with them. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, so that is the student end, and that's kind of a little, we have a little, little snippet on what the student end was. But on the faculty end, um, we're excited to have Sarah starting to teach some classes for us. And, and that's got to be a huge transition because, you know, you were just, you know, you were just hired and you definitely have the educational background for it. It's just making the transition from a student to a faculty member, you know, and, um, and having to deal with the same thing that you had to deal with, you know, two years ago, you know, how does that, you know, it's, it, how does that feel? I mean, is, is it intimidating to a point? I guess it could be, but. Well, what, what are your thoughts? It is a little intimidating, especially with being a little bit younger mm-hmm. and having that expectation that I have to be a little bit sh- stricter and a little bit harder because they're going to try to walk all over me. Right. But with my experience in like the restaurant industry, right. and I've been a general manager, and I'm, I was only 22 at the time, and most of my employees were like 10, 15 years older than me. I right. learned that you sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do. And you just have to make sure your presence is known. Right. Right. And you were telling us some stories uh, in the classroom about some of the trials that you had to go through, you know, to get people to just work and, and that you're like the voice of reason here telling everybody, yeah, this is what needs to happen and this is how you have to do it. And as young as you were, you know, you're like, you know, you're telling them, you know, and age is whatever. Age just doesn't matter at this point. But the bottom line is, is it, it comes down to, to, you know, morals and, and, and ethics and how you do things. And, and, you know, it, it shows that you're a leader, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, we're just extremely happy to have you here and uh, working with us. Yeah. yeah. We're very, very happy. Welcome, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I said, it's, it's what I said uh, before I said, you know, our team, um, in a text that I sent you guys last night, our team is probably the best team that we have put together uh, in the history of the Culinary Academy. Uh, we just have a really, really good team put together this semester, and we hope we can keep it for quite a while. This is, a, this is something that we're excited about, and we have the opportunity to do podcasts like this uh, because our team is so strong. You know, and this is, this is part of us trying to get out to the community, community outreach, marketing and getting the word out there because we're very much a needle in a haystack. Not very many people know about us. Hopefully uh, this little podcast that we're doing here is going to help us get out to the, to the community and hopefully some people are going to know about us and come and visit us. Right. All right. So thank you, Sarah, again. Um, our next topic is food on film. Now, Miriam, I don't know if you had an opportunity to Look at the History Channel. Do you get the History Channel? I do. Okay. Have you ever seen this show before? I have. Yeah. yeah. I've caught different episodes. I've, I haven't watched the whole thing. It's, you know, it's funny, you know, because when I, when I watch this, these, I, I, and I'm usually, I don't go to the History Channel. I usually, like, I'm, I'm flipping. I'm, I'm pressing. And, and I come across this, and I see these, I see this, these guys, and then there's a flash of, like, uh, uh, Colonel Sanders or, or whatever, something. And I'm watching and I'm saying, okay, well, what's up with this? And I start watching it and it ends up being like two hours later. <laughs> and, I, and I keep watching it. And it's just amazing. 
so the the show that I'm talking about is called Food That Built America. It's on the History Channel. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, you have to go see it. It it it's amazing. It is very interesting. It's. I mean, who knew that the lowly cornflake, mm-hmm. how that was invented? Yeah, yeah, and you can you can learn about Henry Hines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can learn about the Kellogg's. You can learn about Post, and it, they go into the into the the nitty gritty, the dirty details <laughs> of of you know what they had to do and how people did this. You know, like um, um, the backstory into McDonald's. You know, right. True. You know, and if you're interested, uh, there's actually a very good movie called The Founder. Mm-hmm. And Michael Keaton plays uh, plays. I forget what his name is. Croc, croc, croc. croc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he, so he, he, and how he basically takes away the idea from other folks and turns it into his his own business. It turns it into his business. It's it's his. He kind of steals a company away from from these two brothers, and it's the backstory is just crazy, you know. And if you think about like this one that just popped out was uh, uh, Colonel Sanders, right? So the Colonel Sanders has a company, uh, you know, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Company. And this guy failed like, like 26 times. Like a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times. This guy was more bankrupt than bankrupt. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, you know, built his business up and became very popular and, 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 and all that stuff. But he mentored other folks through his organization, after he became successful, he mentored other folks. One was a man called Dave Thomas. Yeah, now, I know, I know you know who Dave Thomas is. I do. Uh, Where's but, the beef? <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, Dave Thomas worked his way up. He was uh, um, at the point of a, he was a visionary franchisee. He was the one of the prodigies of, uh, of Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Sanders, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, in the end, it became so dramatic because he became a bitter rival of Colonel Sanders. Yeah, well, yes, but one thing I do want to say about Dave Thomas, and I just love this about him, um, I think it's reflective. I've seen a couple of um, um, shows about him personally. Mm-hmm. He never did marketing research. Mm. He let McDonald's do it for him. And he put a, a store opposite he opened a franchise opposite on the opposite corner from mcdonald's right so he said why should i spend money on marketing mcdonald's is going to do it for us yeah it's it's amazing it's amazing uh, by the way we're talking about wendy's, wendy's yes of is, course we're talking about wendy's yeah. <laughs> wendy's mm-hmm. is a company if you don't know uh, i mean so uh, if you haven't had the opportunity i mean milton c hershey i mean if you talk about if you talk about chocolate you talk about hershey did you realize that there is actually a, there was at back in the day and there still is i would imagine a rivalry between hershey and the mars company mm-hmm. you know uh and it 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 just goes into such such backstory and drama i mean if you like drama i like drama so if you <laughs> if you go into the backstory drama gossip all that stuff i'm into that so if you if you if you you just love it and you just feed into that. I mean, this is the show for you if you like food. Yeah. If you like drama and food, this is it. This is it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a good one. Yep. Uh so this is like this is the end of our third podcast and as, time flies. Uh, time flies and as we stated back in, you know, back in the last few podcasts, we are looking for closing statements and we would like you to help you choose a closing statement for us. But 
Uh, on the website, we'll have a little email address that'll go to someone. We don't know who, <laughs> but it'll go to someone, and uh, you can send send those uh, send that information, and we'll we'll eventually get it through another email. And um, uh, so, uh, until then, uh, you know, until we create a better closing statement, I'll provide you with a few words of wisdom. Never go to a grocery store on an empty stomach. Yeah, I like that one. It is a good right, one. Right, right. And, that, and that'll go with fanfare and music at the end as well, somewhere, somewhere <laughs> down the line. But thank you again, and this is our third podcast. We're looking forward to our fourth podcast. We are. We are. We're looking forward to you joining us. See you soon. <laughs>